0: Thank you for joining Bowling Green Christian Church this week. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit BowlingGreenChristian.org. Good morning. Good morning. If you're new here, my name's Weston. Glad that you are uh, with us visiting. If you're not visiting and you've been around for a while, we're, we're glad you're back. It's good to see everybody. Today we're in the midst of a series uh, we're calling Likes and Loves and it is about our relationships. It's based on uh, some material written by Dr. John Van Epp and his daughter um, Morgan Cutlip um, and they call it the Ram Series. It's the Relationship Attachment Model. Um, and it's just got a lot of really great stuff. Last week we kicked the series off. Today we're going to talk about an element of it inside of our uh, our study here. Uh, I know that our community groups have kicked off with this. Um, and so it's it's been a good study. It's been great to hear from you. Um, I'm, I'm told that some people are really actively using their, their uh, home RAM boards, Um to uh, to sort of gauge uh, their spouse and give them some instant feedback on how they're doing, so um, that's something um, excited for you there. Uh, but that's we're going to get into that here in a second. But the theme verse for all of this is coming out of Philippians chapter two, that says this: In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So so let's let's read that together because that's the goal in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's the command. Now, and it is a command, and I think that's the important part that we need to remember. Because when we think about our relationships, often we think about them in terms of, of they sort of manage themselves. They just, you know, you relate, you're in a relationship, you're in a friendship, and it just sort of happens. But the truth is, there's a lot of work that goes into making a relationship good and healthy and strong. And here we have this command from Paul saying, listen, in your relationships have the same mindset, or it'll say the same attitude as Christ Jesus has. In other words, Paul's saying this is what you're supposed to do. Now, this comes at the end of of several other verses, and let's let's look at them real quick. In uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. Think about what we have in Christ, the encouragement he has brought us, the comfort of his love, our sharing in his spirit, and the mercy and kindness he has shown us. If you enjoy these blessings, the blessings that we have in our relationship with Christ, if you enjoy those blessings, then do what will make my joy complete. Agree with each other and show your love for each other be united in your goals and in the way you think and whatever you do don't let selfishness or pride be your guide be humble and honor others more than yourselves don't be interested only in your own life but care about the lives of others too there's a lot in this passage that Paul is asking us to do He's saying, listen, you should put other people first. You should be thoughtful. You should be humble. You shouldn't have pride and selfishness dominating your relationships. He's telling us these are things that we need to do if we're going to have that mindset that Christ has. Now, this is hard work, but we've got to hold it in balance because he started the whole thing by saying, listen, if you have a good relationship with God and you're experiencing this life-giving power that comes through the Spirit, that comes from knowing Jesus Christ... What he's effectively saying is, hey, pay that forward. Push push that forward into your other relationships and share that love and goodness with those that you meet and those that you connect with. That's what God's calling us to do, is to love other people the way that he has loved us. And this chart is all about helping us to know how we're doing in these different relationships. In some ways, it's sort of... a a GPS system. It allows us to identify the parts that are weak and then to say, hey, we need to give some attention to this. You know, maybe we have uh, had a few times where we've kind of let each other down, and trust has slid down on the scale. Well, then then let's let's work on this. Maybe we're going to do some over-communicating. Maybe we're going to do some things that allow us to help get this into a place that's healthy. Uh, likewise, with the rest of these aspects, we're able to sort of look at them and go, hey, this is the part that's weak. Uh, what can we do to make it strong? Um, this is relevant, again, for all of our relationships. If if your parents, you know, uh, as you watch your kids grow, you'll notice that in each of these things, you know, it, it changes as they get older. You know, at, at some point in time, you know, when the kids are little, it's real easy to know everything that's going on in their world because they're in your house and they're with you all the time and you know, you know where they're at and what they're doing. As they get older, you know, the knowledge, it kind of comes down. You ask them, hey, how was your day? And you get the fine. You know, that's the response. Um, And it's fine. Um, And so the the no comes down. You know, as your kids get a little bit older, you know, uh, they become teenagers. So maybe, you know, the trust slides down a little bit, or maybe it goes up, you know, maybe you're starting to think, man, you know, I can trust them to do other things. Your relationship with them, uh, you know, again, it's going to be determined by uh, you know, who you are, who your kids are, and, and all of those things. But as they go get older, you need to sort of assess each of these things as you go through and say, hey, you know, what are, where are we at in our relationship? You know, d- am I trusting them? Am I not trusting them? Is that me or is that them? Um, am I able to rely on them to do some things? You know, uh, if not, is that me? Is that them? Uh, again, looking at each of these sort of aspects allows us to sort of come into it and say, hey, how are we doing? This is, this is good for parents, for, for people in a dating relationship. It helps you know how to build a relationship in a healthy way. Uh, and today, we're going to focus in here on this element of no. We're going to talk about this. Because here's the reality, and we need to focus on this, is that healthy relationships are built on what we know. If you don't know somebody and you have a really great relationship with them, that's called a fantasy, you know? It's, it's called imagination, um, and it works really well for you, um, but it won't last long, okay? It's like a dream that you wake up from. Healthy relationships are built on knowledge. They're, they're built on knowledge. They're built on what you know and how you know them. Now, as we move forward, there's this law that they talk about in the uh, study. It's called the law of the safe zone. And here's, here's effectively what this means. It means that you uh, don't allow any area uh, to get bigger than the area on the left. Okay? That you, you build in proportion. That you build in that way. Hold on. i got to figure out how to use this still. All right. Um, you don't allow trust to be uh, bigger than what you know. I mean, it... I think we know this in our minds, but I mean, how, how often does this work? You meet somebody, and so you just know them just a little bit. But how many, how many people do you know that you're like, oh, yeah, I totally trust that person. You know, I talked to them for five minutes. They seemed like a really great person. I gave them my ATM card and the PIN number, and, you know, they said they were just going to take 20 bucks out and bring me my card right back. You know, uh, obviously we wouldn't do that, but how many times do people get into relationships, maybe it's a dating relationship, where they don't really know them, but now all of a sudden they trust them. And, and then, you know, maybe, you, you know, you think you trust them, but you don't know them, and then you start to rely on them. You know, what would that look like? Well, maybe you move in together, and you start to, you know, have bills that are shared, and you start to, you know, uh, have all sorts of expenses that are shared, and you start to really depend on each other, but in reality, you've known each other for maybe, you know, a couple months, and so you really don't know each other well, and your commitment level is like next to zero, but in your mind, you think it's really big, and then your touch might be super high because you've you've sexualized this relationship but the reality is that it's sort of all built on very little knowledge. This is a recipe for disaster and brokenness and all sorts of pain and problems coming on. You see we live in a time when it's normal to build our relationships backwards. We start over here and then we commit before we even know whether we can trust the person we're committing our lives to. Never forget, I was doing premarital counseling for this couple, and it was his second marriage, and maybe it was hers. This has been several years. Um, I can still see the guy's face, but I can't remember. Uh, can't remember the name. Um, I know it's sad, um, but but. Um Something happens when you turn 40, I guess. And uh, I remember talking to them, and they had moved in together. They were living together. And I said, hey, you know, I just need you to know that statistically, this puts you at a big risk for your relationship to last. And they looked at me like, like, why? And I'm like, listen, this isn't like the church telling you this. This isn't me telling you this. This is just like science. This is like therapists and people are saying, hey, listen, when you move in together before you get married, you put your marriage at a risk of a failure and you know why is that well at that time they were finding out that there's this phenomenon they call slide versus decide what happens is we enter into the relationship here we make all sorts of commitments. You know, Maybe it's a shared contract. Maybe it's a shared insurance thing. Maybe it's shared Apple Music. I mean, that's a big one. Uh, maybe it's shared um, you know, rent, or maybe you buy a car together. Uh, maybe you have a kid together. I mean, all of these things come here, and you start to build your relationship back that way. And so what ends up happening is we're hovering in this zone, but we don't actually know the person, and we're not even sure if we can trust the person. What ends up happening is we have all these constraints built on us and and you end up looking at each other and you think, maybe you don't say it out loud, but you're like, you know what, it'd just be easier to get married than it would be to break up. And the guy, as I'm telling this to him, this guy's eyes got real big, like maybe I had read his email or been listening in on his phone calls because he looked at me and he like, without like... Any, like, humor, like he was horrified, he said, that's exactly what happened in my first marriage. He'd lived it. And as I was describing it to him, he goes, yeah, I, I guess I built it backwards. You know, that, that's the danger here. This is why it's so important to build all of our relationships on good, healthy Knowledge. Because when we build them the other way, what ends up happening is we have an illusion of commitment. We have an illusion of all these things. We have the physical intimacy and we have this emotional connection, but we don't have anything underneath it to hold it together. So we've got to build the relationship in the right way, in that healthy way. That's, That's the challenge. Now the Apostle Paul, he talks about this dynamic in church relationships and even in church leadership. We'll move out of the dating zone. We'll move out of the marriage zone for a second. And we'll just talk about church leaders. Paul leaves a young preacher in the town of Ephesus behind. And one of his jobs is to appoint elders in that town. Uh, they hadn't been there long enough to develop leaders. And so Paul's job is that. And here's some advice that he gives to him He says, Don't be hasty in the laying on of hands. What he's talking about is ordaining. You know, don't put your hands on these people, pray for these people, ordain these people to office. Don't do it quickly, take your time. Don't share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Stop drinking only water. Use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Uh, they discovered at this time that drinking water plain kind of made folks sick, and so they'd mix it with a little wine, and that was you know a good medicine for them. Uh, he says the sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of judgment. Ahead of them, the sins of others trail behind them. Now, let's just paraphrase this whole thing. Maybe use modern English as though Paul is writing this to Timothy today. Paul is probably saying this to Timothy, saying, hey, Timothy, listen, slow down. Slow down. I know that you want to ordain all these elders. I know that you want to get everything all set up. But here's the thing, Timothy, you need to pace yourself. You need to slow down. Slow down. He said, some people, you know, their sins, they're obvious. In other words, their reputation precedes them. And, and you know all about this person as soon as they walk in the door. But other people, he says, it, they trail behind. It takes some time for you to get to know the real them. So, Timothy, slow down. If you would slow down a little bit, maybe you wouldn't have all these ulcers in your stomach. Maybe you wouldn't have all this stress. You know, so take your time. Don't be in a rush. Get to know them. That's what Paul is challenging Timothy to do. And it's good, sound advice for all of our relationships. Because healthy relationships are built on what we know. I mean, how many people do you know and have seen and have watched almost like a slow motion train wreck go into relationship after relationship and they, they commit too quickly, they get physical too quickly and then they find out who the real person is and it either leaves them with an incredible amount of brokenness or they feel trapped. Friends, we don't want this in our relationships and one of the best things we can do is to just get to know them. And getting to know people is not hard. Uh, Three ideas on that. Here you go. This one's going to just, you're going to go home and you go, I had no idea. We just talk. We get to know people. Yeah, just talk. You know, that's one of the great ways to get to know people high quality relationships what they've got open communication people are talking they're having good conversations they're getting to know them it's true in dating relationships it's true with your kids it's true in your friendships it's true here in church you've got to talk to people in order to get to know them I mean, parents, think about how you communicate with your kids and how important it is to spend that time having conversation. You know, one of the things my wife is is militant about in our home, when we all sit together for dinner or if we've got, you know... Four out of five, which is, seems to be more uh, the the norm lately, uh, she's like, "All right, hey, we're going to talk. We're going to do highs and lows. We're going to talk about the best part of the day, the worst part of the day. That's what we're doing. And and why do we have that conversation? It's because we want to know what's going on. We want to connect. We want to get to know our kids and reconnect with them. It, it's super important. Uh, one of the things that you can do if you have a lot of windshield time, shuttling people around, moms and dads, is you can turn the music down. And you can ban cell phone use in your car. You can. You're the parent. It's a lot. You can say, hey, listen, nobody's going to be on their phone uh, because I want us to be able to have a conversation together. It's an incredible way to enjoy getting to know somebody. Grandparents, you could do this too, right? I mean, you, do you know your grandkids well? You know, do you know what they're studying in school? Do you know uh, what friends they like? Do you know, uh, you know who their teachers are? You know, what's going on in their world? How do you find out that stuff? You ask them. You talk. You have a conversation. You know, when you come to church, so many people come and go out of church, and they're like, man, I just don't feel like I know anybody. Well, okay, how does that? How does your Sunday morning look? Well, I come in about five minutes late, so I don't have to talk to anybody, and then, you know, as soon as the song's over, I jet out the door. Well, that's why you don't know anybody, right? You know, getting to know people, it starts with one word. It starts with Hi. <laughs> hi. And then you could like throw your name in there. My name is, and then you put your name in, not, not my name. And then, uh, you know, hi, my name is. And then, you know, um, how long you been at Bowling Green Christian Church? You know, how long you been here? That's a great way to have a conversation. It starts there. It leads to community group, leads to serving. But it starts with a conversation. If you're married and you're going through the couple study, I hope that you're taking advantage of the couple's huddle. Couples Huddle, it's got about five or six questions there at the end of each uh, study, each session. And it's conversations designed just for the two of you to talk about at home. Lots of ways to get connected, but it starts with talking. Another thing that it takes is time. If you're going to really get to know somebody, it takes time. you got to be intentional about spending quality time together. You know, um, a date night. You know, uh, once a week, every other week. I'll tell you, it's cheaper than getting a divorce. Uh, I've, I've seen the math on this. Um, it, it is. It's cheaper. Uh, and your kids will thank you for it. And they'll grow up healthier and more secure because they know that they've got uh, mom and dad who care for each other and provide a home together. I mean, that's an incredible gift time it takes some time time is important if you're building a relationship with somebody you know you might have one or two really great dates and feel like man i really know them i really trust them but you don't really know them yet right how long does it take to really know somebody uh dr van epp he says that you should use the 90-day probation rule i think this is masterful this is genius he says it takes like three months for people to let their guard down and really show the real person Uh, i think there's probably some truth to that you know i mean think about how important this is don't you want to know that you're entering into a relationship you're committing to somebody who's going to treat you well uh even if they get like maybe mad right kind of one of those important things, right? To know how does somebody handle things when they're stressed? How does somebody handle things when they get upset and they get angry? What do they do? How do they, how do they take it? Is that something that's going to work for you? You need to know those things, but, but how do we, you know, how do people date? They, they put their best foot forward, right? You know, I mean, it probably would be more to just say, you know what, hey, listen, this is the first date. We're going to get each other really, you know, furious at each other, and we're going to just see how, how that goes. Um, there wouldn't be a lot of second dates. You know, we put your, you put your best foot forward, you know, you try to impress, you try to be nice, you try to be patient, but something happens around those, those 90 days where it starts to wear off and the real you comes out. And then if you have an encounter and you're like, man, is that who they normally are or is that an exception to the rule? You know, are they having a bad day or are they just always having a bad day? You know, these are the things we need to know, but it takes time to discern and learn all of these things. That's how we grow knowledge. You can't microwave that type of thing. It takes time. you got to spend the time together. Third thing here is togetherness. We might call this sort of just undivided time, undistracted time. You know, we have so little of that right now. You know, the phone's always pinging, you know, Pinterest and, and, you know, Facebook and Instagram and, you know, Snapchat. I can't even keep up with all of them. I mean, all this stuff is just coming at you constantly. you got an iPhone, a computer, uh, you know, all the stuff is just constantly bombarding you, and it's so distracting. You know, it doesn't really matter if you spend time if you're not actually together. Uh, Boston Medical Center... Did a study. They sent um, people out into fast food restaurants to observe families and how they interacted with their kids and with their technology. And here's what they found they found that 40 of the 55 couples that they had been observing uh, were what they called total absorption, where they were more interested in their phone than their kids. And they actually found that parents started to scold their kids if they tried to get their attention away from their phone. So mom and dad are like berating their kids because they're trying to get mom and dad's attention to, you know, on them as opposed to the device. It's sad, right? It's really sad. But that's the reality in which we live. We've got to spend the time and we've got to spend it together. Turn off the phone, silence it, you know, get to a place where you can spend some time and say, hey, I'm gonna just be with you. I'm going to just pay attention to you. You know, we've got to make that time a high priority. Now, there's one more thing here because the talk time togetherness, it's great, but it's an ongoing process. You know, uh, healthy relationships, stay curious and grow in knowledge. You know, guys, don't be the world's most interesting man. Be the most interested man. Be, Be the one who's the most interested. You know, stay curious, my friends. That's the best I can do. Um... I don't always, I don't know, I, I, I had something in my mind. I, it might have been inappropriate. I was kind of afraid to see where it would go. Anyway, so we're going to leave that out. But you got to stay curious. This is so important. Constantly go, hey, what's going on? What are the new things happening in your life? How about this? The average couple converses 20 minutes a day. There you go. Think about it. 20 minutes a day of actual conversation. The average person watches four to five hours of TV every day. Now, before you say that's not you, really spend some time and think about that. Four to five hours every day of TV, which means you got a great relationship with your TV. 20 minutes with your spouse, which means, you know, that's not as good, okay? Uh, We wonder, why is the divorce rate so high? Well, maybe because we're watching too much TV and not having conversations with each other. This might actually be something there. We've got to stay curious Because these you know, shot in the arm kind of deals or these high experiences Yeah they last for a while But they don't sustain us you know, We've got to keep making an investment I mean let's say you, you know, Maybe you and your spouse You take a trip or something and You get away for a while and you start to think, man, you know, we're super connected. We got to have all this conversation and we, you know, you know we're really trusting. I mean, everything is just all, you know, functioning great. How long does that last? How, does, how long does your extended weekend together last if you get home and you do nothing else? What's going to happen? You know what's going to happen. All these things are going to start sliding down. That's what's going to happen. All of it's going to start sliding down. We've got to continue to make investments in our relationship if we want our relationships to last. This is what uh, Van Epp talks about as the law of diminishing returns. We see this in our relationship with God too. You start a relationship with God, and it's super high in knowledge, and you trust, and you're committed to Him, and I mean, you just feel so connected to God. But then what happens is we decrease, you know, as, as time goes on, all this stuff starts to flatline a little bit. This is why in the book of Deuteronomy, God is constantly calling his people to do one thing. He says, do not forget. He says, be careful, watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things that your eyes have seen. God knows, listen, when you get into that promised land, you're going to forget. All of this is going to start to slide down. Uh, He says this constantly, be careful to not forget the covenant of the Lord your God that he made with you. God says, don't forget the promises that we've exchanged. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, the history of salvation. He says, don't forget it. God is constantly calling us back. He's saying, don't forget my commands, my laws, and my decrees. God is constantly telling his people, and he's telling us, do not forget. Why? Because that is our natural bias, is to forget. And if you let the busyness of your life crowd out your time alone with God, then it's only going to be a matter of time before you feel distant from the Lord. That's just reality. We need to not forget in all of our relationships. Moms and dads, I mean, I don't have to tell you, you miss a day of your kid's life, two days, you know, you're checked out someplace, you take a trip someplace, what, you've got all sorts of news you got to get caught up on, things that happen in school, and after school, and at oboe lessons, and um, I mean, you know, all curling lessons, and all the things that you, your kids are in, you got to get caught up on all that. You know, couples, you know, you, you don't check in with each other for a while, and what happens? It feels like all this space grows. Why? Because we, we haven't checked in. We don't know. Friends, you know, in your church family, you don't see them, but, you know, for five minutes on a Sunday morning, what? You feel distant. Why? Because you don't know what's going on. You've got to spend the time to invest and invest in each of those bonds, but it starts with getting to know each other. You know, all of this is super, super important. And the danger isn't that they will deflate, but that they stay deflated. The danger is that they don't get reinflated and rebalanced. Now, listen. I think the best example we could come up with, sort of in our minds, that might sort of stick around with us, is is empty nesters. Uh, this week, I looked and I, I found that when a couple enters into the empty nesting phase, uh, they are sixteen percent more likely to get a divorce than before. Now, why is that? Well, it doesn't take a lot of imagination to figure this out, right? I mean, because if you know, you got all the kids, you know, you got all this stuff happening, you're not spending any time talking to each other. And you know, you trust each other, sure, you kind of had to trust each other, but you don't really know what's going on. And so, you know, there's been some times where you felt disappointed or let down. And, you know, so the trust is there, but it's not maybe where it had been. Now, you have been relying on each other super. A lot to, you know, do all the things that you do in your life. And, and the commitment, well, it's there, but you're not as invested in it as maybe you once were. And so you're struggling with that, perhaps. And your commitment is, is down. And, and this is not high. And, and you've got all of these, this scenario where you start to go, man, you know, all this stuff finally flatlines. And you start to think, man, I don't know that I want to be married to this person. I don't even know who they are. Yeah, we share a bed, but that's about it. Friends, when we allow these, these bonds to stay in a place of bankruptcy and emptiness, that's where problems happen. That's when the, the marriage becomes vulnerable, and it's a dangerous place to be. We've got to make it a point to invest in each of our relationships. This is why God is going to call his people back to not just not forget, but to remember. Remember? A few verses here. Numbers 15, 40 says, remember to obey all my commands. God says, don't just not forget, but remember, call it to your mind. Think about it. Dwell on it. Deuteronomy seven eighteen says, remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. Remember your salvation history. Remember God. He gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. And the list goes on and on where God is saying, "Hey, listen, remember, remember." And Jesse, he read this verse earlier, "I have against this against you, you have left the love you had at the beginning, So remember where you were before you fell. Change your hearts and do what you did at first. Friends, remembering, coming back, building up that knowledge, that is so, so important. You know, I, I, I like what they talked about in the community group. If you've been through week one, then you've you've heard this. Uh, you know they talk about couples living in the starvation with the starvation principle. Not that anybody like sets out and says, "Yeah, I want to live on the starvation principle," uh, but it's just sort of how life works, where you don't feed it until it's starving. Uh, I mean, that, that analogy works. I like the regular maintenance principle, uh, or I call it the squeaky brakes principle. Um, you, you start to drive your car, and your brakes start to squeak a little bit, and you think to yourself, man, that's, you know, that's time, that's money. You know, if I turn up the radio, it doesn't bother me as much, and we just let it ride for a while. And you just let it ride. And it's squeaking. You're like, yeah, I should do something about that. Yeah, I should probably take care of that. And then the squeak turns into a grind. And the grind is bad. Because every time you hear that grind, that's just money just going down. You know, the rotor's now gone. And if you let it grind long enough, the caliper goes. And now all of a sudden, what could have been taken care of quickly and relatively inexpensively is now very, very expensive. I mean, how many couples, you know, they neglect their time together, they neglect a date night or they neglect just time because they don't have enough time or they don't have enough money and, and they think, you know, we'll deal with this later. You know, it, it doesn't get cheaper when you go to the therapist, and some of you are in that zone, and I'm just being real with you, where you, like, you need to probably go get some help, some professional help in your marriage relationship. If it's going to last, you're going to need to do that. But just like most couples you know, might say, well, we're going to neglect this, and then they'll neglect therapy. You think therapy's cheap, you know, go to an attorney. It gets even more expensive, okay? But that's what, that's what we're doing. We're, we're building up these things when we neglect to take care of our relationships and invest in them. Living in the starvation principle might keep you alive, but you will never thrive in your relationships. Friends, let's not be those people. Let's not be people that say, man, all this good I've done before, it, it's, it's gonna last, it doesn't last. There's no shelf life on the good we've put into our relationship. Past closeness does not guarantee future closeness. So let's be people that are committed to remembering. Uh, I want to give you a challenge this week, just a real simple thing to do, two things. One is this, is to connect with somebody that you've not connected with in a while. Maybe, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's parents, maybe it's a friend, maybe, I don't know who it is, but there's probably that one person you keep saying to yourself, man, I really need to call them, I really need to get in touch with them, I need to, to reach out and connect with them. Uh, if you wanted to, even right now, you could send them a text and say, hey, listen, let's get together sometime this week. Let, let's get some coffee. Let's grab some lunch. Or if they're at a distance and you need to spend some time, say, hey, when could we, you know, when could we do some FaceTime and, and connect with each other? So that's challenge one, is, is, is have a connecting conversation. Second thing is this, is to do that same thing with God, to have a connecting time with him. It's never been so easy to be in Scripture. Um, if you've not used the Bible app, it is a game changer, friends. It is, I, I'm loving it right now because not only does you, can you get a, a million different reading plans that fit whatever time you want to put into it, it will read the Bible to you. Yes, it will. And, and it, it's not like a robot voice. It's like some actual person has recorded the entire Bible so you can listen to it. So if you're like, man, I just don't have any time in the morning, that's great. If you just turned off the radio for a little bit on the way in, you could listen to God's Word. You could listen to Scripture. There's no reason we should not all be in Scripture every day getting to know God more. So if you're not in the habit of that, the challenge is get in the habit of that, give it a try this week, and connect with God. Let's not be people that forget, but be people that remember. Because our healthy relationships are built on knowledge. The worship team's gonna come out and we're gonna sing a song here uh, as we kind of get ready to wrap up. And I just I really want you to take that seriously. I really want you to take the time this week that's needed to invest in your relationships through a conversation and investing in a relationship with God. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for today. I thank you for the way that you have been teaching um, us about our relationship with you through Scripture, through the writings here in this book that we're studying. And God, I pray that this week it would be um, an invitation for all of us to double down on investing in our relationships, to get to know the people that we love, and so learn to love them even better to get to know you in a new and different and deeper way, God, and so love you even more and better. And Lord, I I know that you've told us that if we seek, we will find. If we ask, we'll receive. If we knock, the door is opened. God, you're not playing hide and seek with us. You want to be found. And so God, would you give us the strength to just pursue you? We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. where stand and sing with us.